The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Androids and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Kratos and Atreus of gaming podcasts. For a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose anger cannot be controlled, Josh, how are you doing this evening? Well, I was thinking about your comment and it could be either, well, it could be either, but I think I know which one it is, and I don't want to be Atreus. You don't want to be Atreus? No. I was either. honestly thinking of you as Kratos, but that's okay. cool. Well, that's what I'm, they're, they could both be not controlling their right. anger, so I couldn't tell. But no, I don't want to be Atreus. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> In recent memory, he is one of the most annoying video game characters I've ever experienced. Okay, do you really think that, or is there one part of the game for about an hour where he's it, one of the most annoying video game characters ever created? Was it only but the an rest hour? of it? Yeah, but the rest oh, of the game, yeah, he's yeah. super helpful. He's helpful, I agree. He is helpful when he's not talking. See, I didn't find him, like, literally there's that one hour section, about an hour or so, where I wanted to punt him off of the mountain. That's when I was like really belligerently bad. Yes, I was like, dude, you oh, <laughs> but like the rest of the game when he, you like hit square to like have him shoot an arrow, he's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> do what I'm telling you to. Uh, all my yeah. sympathy for you has ran out. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of the game, I didn't think he was that bad actually. Yeah, I, I'm probably exaggerating for effect, but. I had uh, I had no I didn't have a tough time playing the game with him as a character, but there were definitely times where it was just obviously a bit much on purpose because kids can be like that. I get mm-hmm. it, but it's just not something. It's it's something different for people experiencing God of War who have always played it. It's very uh, jarring as far as the whole concept of Kratos and a boy and a son. You right, know, that's that whole thing is like getting used to that aspect of the game. So like when that part comes up, like if it's an annoying character in God of War 3, I can just not go talk to that character ever again. But you literally have the monkey on your back in this one. (laughs) And I mean, I'm biased and maybe Daniel will listen to this episode. Maybe he won't. But there is still one character that is by far the most annoying character in the history of video games to me. That is going to be very, very difficult to overcome. And all I'm going to say is, hey, listen. <laughs> anyway, thanks yeah. so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter and at Board with VG over on the Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. Also, feel free to send us those long form emails over at boardwithvg at gmail.com. And as always, use that hashtag boardwithvg 
so that we can talk, know what you're playing and know what you're doing and use that on all of the social medias. And that way we can stay in touch with one another. We didn't go off on a tangent about food or anything like that, like we usually do. So we're just gonna (laughs) (laughs) so we're just gonna jump right into the games. And it was, you know, in the United States here, a holiday weekend. So Josh, did you have some time to get anything to your tabletop? I did. And it was three days of trying to finally get there. Um, the first night we ended up watching Black Panther because we hadn't seen it. Um, so that was I was okay with with that. So really quickly, yeah. obviously we're a gaming podcast. What did you think of Black Panther? I thought it was good, but I thought it was way overhyped for what it was. Okay. Now, that may have just affected, like, I don't, sometimes, a, a lot of times if a movie gets that much hype, where they're saying it's the best MCU movie I've ever uh, I've seen, and the story is so incredible, and it looked incredible, like, yeah, a little bit to all of those, but not to the extent where I thought the story was good, solid. The movie looked great, except for one specific scene uh, that I hated, and it really took away from some of the movie for me. And there was just there was a couple scenes I didn't think held the movie together super well, so it was good. I enjoyed watching it, but it wasn't uh, at Devin Love level, if that makes sense to PSVG years. <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> but that's just me. I mean, obviously, it's a very, it's a very well beloved movie, and I get that. I do, and I might I might like it better on a second watch too. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But um, yeah, we watched that the first night. It's still in my top six MCU movies. I'm not saying it's bad, you know. And that's out of eighteen movies, that's still pretty good. That's top third. Yeah, it's just I'm not, good at math. It's just not top two like everyone has it at for me. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, night two, we were going to play board games. I put out a poll on Twitter. Uh, I learned a couple of things. One, make sure you get your wife's permission of all the games you put in the poll. <laughs> oh, no, did what win? Get yeah. vetoed? <laughs> Jurassic Park Danger won. And she has been refusing to play that game since I got it for whatever reason. I'm not sure. We will get it to the table. I even watched how to play with her just so she could see how easy it is to play. So I'm, I'll be working on that for next weekend. So we didn't play that. And then I was reminded and then shamed by playing video games that I forgot about Mario Kart night. So talking I about mean... that later in our <laughs> video game portion. <laughs> So we, I ended up playing. Oh well, I so that became a video game night. It was actually a very good video game night. Um, and then last night, finally, we were gonna play Charterstone because <laughs> I was like, "Can we play Charterstone?" And this, by this point, it's been a long day, muggy, hot, humid. Had the kid outside all day. We watched, um, watch it played how to play like for twenty three minutes. At minute 20, she looked over at me and she just said, my brain cannot handle this game tonight. <laughs> I said, okay, we'll play Pie Town. <laughs> I think we could probably figure out Pie Town. Very similar. Pie Town, <laughs> Charterstone. Very similar. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, even I was watching the Charterstone video and I didn't want to say anything, but I was like, oh boy, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff getting downloaded right now. Um, so we'll figure that out too. I really want to play that really bad. Um, it's on my, I, it's that and Fog of Love, I think, are my two top games I really want to play right now. 
Um, okay, so Pytown by Renegade Games or Renegade Game Studios, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, this is a game I won from them at PAX Unplugged in a Instagram contest of sorts. But I had heard about it leading into um, PAX Unplugged because they were just about to drop it. It was a, a new release coming out and it had a lot of buzz. So I was excited to check it out. Uh, I can understand why some people will be turned off on the theming because it doesn't look like a strong um, theme for just like an in general game. Like it seems very catered to a specific audience. And I, and you have, this is one of those games where you have to look past the theme while the theme is important in the game. Um, it's not going to really dictate a, a, whatever your, your, your prejudice towards that cover might be. Um, like if you think it's going to be girly or if you think it's going to be, cartoony or whatever your impression might be of that it's not going to be that game um we played two players it's two to four players and the objective of the game is to bake pies uh, and figure out your opponent's secret recipe um, which uh, can have a big uh, impact on the game or it cannot it really just depends on who's playing and how they decide to play so there's kind of a lot of stuff going on when you play the game. You have your own player board, which is, um, uh, I'm going to compare it to like a little house. It has like a kitchen, it has a supply room, it has um, a bakery. All these things are inside this um, block you have. Now, I should tell, say this is a worker placement, worker management game, and uh, it's probably my, the first type of game that like this that I've played where you have dice, but you don't roll them. Um, the dice are there to indicate a level of your workers. And uh, I'll get back. So you start with two workers and there's a, a three and a two level worker. And all these spaces that you go to, um, they either add one or minus one or minus two from your workers levels. And so you have a balancing act of um, managing your stats, and what you can do with those stats. So right in the middle of the board, you have a pie counter, we'll call it. Like, not a counter like numbers, but like a kitchen counter. Um, think um, the root beer tapper uh, game or overcooked even. with like a long table, but you have rows. <clears throat> and on this, uh, you have, this is where you'll bake your pies. You have limited spaces based on the player count. So if you have four players, there's more available spaces to use. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you have recipes. So you have common recipe, which uses three common ingredients. And then I'm going to call it common plus. It doesn't really have a name. It's two common ingredients and a rare. Then you have one common ingredient and two rares. And then you have your secret recipe. And there's point values assigned on the bottom for victory points. So you get seven victory points for a secret recipe pie. <clears throat> four for the one below it, and then three, and then two. And they go down from that. They tear down. And then next to that board, you have a victory point tracker um, that goes around a tree. Not Sorry, not a tree, a podium. And in that podium is where you put victory points in the middle. And you also have a square available in there where you can put one of your workers to either uh, reserve the next starting player token. So in a four-player game, it's more important, but if you've ever played Lords of Waterdeep, there's a spot on the board where you can reserve um, a, a spot where it will make you the first player in the next game. 
but that does cost you a worker. So you're limiting your resources, but it'll give you plus one to your worker. You can also use that same space, but not for, you can only do one or the other. The other option is minus one point to change your secret recipe by one ingredient. And you would want to do that in case your opponent figured out what your secret recipe is. Because if your opponent figures out your secret recipe, they can bake a pie using your ingredients and get secret recipe victory points. So that would be the reason to try to figure out a secret recipe. Uh, Another piece of the board is a tree. And on this tree, there are a bunch of squares where you can put your workers. Also, I posted pictures on Instagram if you want a reference. There's also a link through the Twitter. Um, And then the tree has, depending on the amount of players, um, randomly placed ingredient tokens on the tree. And they get um, reset and replaced every round. There's nine rounds in the game. And what you would do is if you move a worker there and you put him in a in a square, if he's like a three, means you can take three adjacent ingredients of your choice that are touching the square that you're in. So that's how you get your ingredients to your pool. In your starting board, you can only you can only keep eight ingredients, but you can upgrade it to fourteen, which is better. Um, and then you can't take ingredients if you have if you're at that level. Uh, another cool thing you can do is if you place like a two worker die on the tree to get ingredients, uh, your opponent can spy. And what they can do is take a worker of a higher level and put it on top of your worker and then look at your secret ingredients that are equal to the difference between the two die. So if you put a two, a four on there too, you can look at two of their random three secret ingredients. So the secret ingredients you start at the beginning of the game, each player picks in secret two common and one rare ingredient. They put them in this little box and then you keep your box in front of you for the whole game. And your goal is to bake your secret ingredient, but not let your opponent figure out what you're baking. So they they say like, we recommend you bake at least two ingredients at the same time. So, and what you do is you take all of your ingredients in a handful and say, like you say, I'm baking three pies. You'll have nine ingredients in your hand. You just kind of dump them on the board so they don't know what ingredient is for what pie. Then you have a board with a dry erase marker and you can kind of deduce clue style what you think their secret ingredients might be. Uh, It's very challenging and I can't imagine what it's like with four players um, because it took us forever. But by the time the game ended, my wife did know what my secret ingredient was. And I thought for sure I knew hers. So if you try to bake their secret ingredient, if it's just two players, you can show them. If it's four, you have to show it in secret to the person you're guessing. Mm-hmm. You have to show them the ingredients. And then they, if they verify it's correct, you can bake that secret ingredient. If it's wrong, you lose those ingredients and you don't get it to bake your pie. And I was wrong and I thought for sure. And then I was like, are you sure you didn't screw up? Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I knew exactly what this was. Um, so I got it totally wrong. Um, but I'll say there's, I'm going to, like most games, there are a few rules I want clarification on as far as when do you take the workers off the board? When do you score them? Uh, it wasn't super clear in the instructions. So we're going to look that up. But uh, other than that, I'm really looking forward to getting it to the table again because it was fun and I'm really curious to see how it plays at four players 
because I can only imagine it's crazy chaotic. Probably so, in a good way. So have you looked this game up on Board Game Geek at all? No, but you want me to guess what it's rated at? I, I This is going to be a fun thing I'm going to start with us now. Yes, <laughs> I want you to guess what the um, average rating is and then the overall rank. See where oh, you think this is at. Well, if I had to guess, I'm going to tell you what I think it is and what, I, what it should be. Okay, that's fine. It should be a 7.5. Okay. Overall, I think it's at a 6.2 or around that area. It's actually at a 6.8. Okay. So in the middle, happy middle. Yep. Right. You pretty much split the difference. If you had to guess the overall rank, what would you say? What's it on the, what's it on the, what's the scale for that? Oh, it's just like literally like in the rank of. Oh, uh, <laughs> out of all the games. Yeah. Ever? I'm board, yeah. I'm board game geek. Yeah. Uh, 1242. Uh, 3,871. Oh, geez. Well, that's still not bad. <laughs> I mean, really, in the grand scheme of how many games are out there, that's not that bad. Oh, boy. So who, yeah, would, you, uh, who would you recommend Pytown for? Family. Family. It's a good, it would be a good family game. I think the um, it has to be with kids who are patient and can maybe play a game once or twice to learn it. It's a little complex, um, at least compared to games like that that I've played. Uh, it's definitely themed towards families, though, especially with the art. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be a game that I might bring on vacation and teach my parents or um, my brother and my and my sister-in-law um, because the theme is kind of it's easier than trying to teach someone Risk. Right. Who may not be interested in war games, even though Risk is is a war game on on its face. But you know, you could probably get someone else into it if they played it once or twice. So sure. I think it'd be easier to to uh, get someone into that. Gotcha. Did you play anything, any other board games other than Pytown? So keeping on the Renegade thing, I was like, my wife didn't want to play another game. I was like, all right, I'm going to play Lucidity. I've been dying to play it. So the table was still set up. I sat down. Man, are those instructions horrible? Probably. <laughs> I, still, I haven't read First Martian's instructions yet, but for a game that... One of the worst instructions I've ever read in my life for a board game. It's all over the place without being all over the place. It tells you what to do without telling you what to do. And I'm like, how is this possible? What a-? And then I go to the single player and it says, okay, a single player is the same. Everything is the same as far as the multiplayer. So now I got to go back and read all the multiplayer and then go back and read single player and try to figure out what they change. And they're super unclear so then I watched a video and I watched the first video and then I was so twisted up from the rules that I didn't know if I was doing what I got wrong or right. So then I looked up a solo play tutorial and I watched this dude play it. I was like, okay, I think I got this. This seems easier now. And then I tried playing it on my own. And then between the three things, I had no clue what I was doing. I tried playing. I, I screwed something up right away. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to give it another shot. I just don't know when, because I'm pretty frustrated with it at the moment. Is this something that I guess I haven't looked? Is this something that there's a lot of concerns about or a lot of issues with as far as the rule book goes? I haven't even checked. Uh, I didn't check the forums, um, just because I was, it, it was late, you know, and mm-hmm. I was sitting at the table in the living room and I'm just looking at the time and I'm like, do I want to bother trying another video or looking it up? At this point, I had invested so much time in it that 
I was just like, I'm boxing it up. I think I'm, you know, I was just, it looks great. I still posted pictures. I think the artwork is is fantastic. It's definitely a a way out of Renegade's comfort zone as far as theme. It's very dark. Um, I like the idea of it. I just, I really wish, like I've I've gotten some bad Kickstarter uh, instruction booklets. This is like Indiegogo. Like, who did this instruction booklet? Uh, and I'm sorry if you were listening <laughs> or you know who wrote it, but it's just tough. Like, so from your, I mean, are, you are going to go back and try to play it again, though. You are going to give it that the old college I, I try, to, as they say. Yeah, I have to go back. It, or also, it could have been me. Like, I could, it could have been late and I might just not have been in the right mindset. So, I may be un- being unfair to the writer of the rule book, but that will be, um, I'll get a good solid conclusion on that when I play it, when I try playing it again. <laughs> Excellent. So Lucidity, Pie Town, anything else that you played on your table? Negative. Awesome. I did buy Risk Europe for $9.98 at Toys R Us uh, as part of their sale. But their board games are only 40% off on my local ones right now. They have hmm. quant they have quantum, which I was thinking about picking up. Mm-hmm. They had X Wing, uh, which I figured even though I won't play it, it might be a good grab. Right. Um, but I heard once they get to like sixty or seventy percent off, that's when they stop with the with the sales. I almost got Red Dead um Xbox One combo pack because all the oh, video really? games are sixty percent off. So it would have been about thirteen bucks to get it. It's a good deal. But I didn't I didn't bite because they didn't have anyone working in electronics. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> So awesome. Oh, well, it's 40 bucks. All right. Well, I did a bad thing. Yeah, I didn't play I any board games <laughs> because I played so many darn video games over the last week. My wife has been very busy with some of her hobby things, and she's kind of my board game partner. So over the long weekend, I was like, this will be a perfect time for us to play some board games. And every time I asked, she's like, well, I'm working on this other thing or I'm doing this other project or I'm working on this other thing. Can we do it later? Sure, that's fine. And later just never came. (laughs) (laughs) So I played a whole lot of video games, but I promise to make up for board games next week. But with that, sir, what have you been playing on your television? Well, uh, the Fallout Watch is still going strong, in case anyone's asking. Uh, (laughs) It happened video game-wise today. I shouldn't say say Fallout, right? But Bethesda today dropped... I want to say at noon. So they're going for me. We're at 12 and a half hours strong of a feed that just says, please stand by <laughs> for so the most part. <laughs> what do you think this is? Well, you know what I told you as a joke earlier that right. I think it might be. <laughs> well, what do you actually think it is? I'll be honest with you. They really got me confused because it could be so many things. Uh, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say it's Fallout related. <laughs> That seems fair. That seems but if it, if if it's what all these all the Nintendo shackers have been talking about, it's going to be a disappointment. If they're really talking about Fallout Shelter on the Switch or Fallout Three Anniversary Edition on the Switch or Fallout Four on the Switch, like save that for E three if at all, or don't even do that. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I know, Jason Schreier had tweeted. Something to the effect of that it's not what most people think it's going to be. Right. It could be Fallout Shelter 2. Yeah. Uh, It could be a new um, type of Fallout game. I don't see it being anything big until E3, though, unless this is going to go for two weeks. 
That'd be funny. Right now, there's 52,000 people watching with a total of 14,698,455 people have watched this. I believe so, I watched it for about three minutes today. And I was this like, is I, their I best ER stunt they have ever done, probably. 14 million watchers in the first day. So right. that's my tangent. I'm going to close it now because it's distracting me. Okay. <laughs> so. What have you actually been playing, though, in regards okay. to video games? So I think we can, we're going to have a very similar list um, because we were fortunate enough to play together uh, for about half of it. Yeah. Um, and I'll mute my phone. And it was killing me that I didn't do that last time. Uh, so I, I alluded to Mario Kart Night. So um, we played Mario Kart on the Switch. Uh, we've been trying to organize it since Lucas, uh, a flux-deposed fame, got his Switch and Mario Kart um, since he hadn't played with everybody. So there were 11 of us, uh, pretty much all PSVGers with the exception of Skinny Matt, who jumped on, who's a, a listener, and someone else who I'm forgetting, and I feel like a jerk for doing it, but I don't know him personally, so I don't feel like that much of a jerk. Um, so we had one other player, and then pretty much all PSVG. Uh, we did a live um, Discord stream. Donnie recorded it. And it was basically me. My wife actually sat next to me and was okay with being recorded, which was very surprising. Did she know? Uh, she, know she knew because I had the volume turned up on the phone. And people like Donnie's like, oh, I want to talk to Mrs. Bones. Where's Miss? What's she doing? So that doesn't mean she knew she was being recorded. Well, oh, she might not know that she's on the internet. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. She might not know that. Uh, so it turned out it turned into being uh, me drinking um, bubbly, uh, grapefruit bubbly, and everyone else drinking alcohol, <laughs> and me still not being able to beat drunk Mario Kart drivers. <laughs> so that was a shot. State-dependent learning. That's how those Mario Kart players always play. Uh, but we played for a few hours until I and I jumped out when I started getting tired of it. And then not not five minutes after I jumped out, uh, uh, Coach Mo asked me to jump into State of Decay. So I jumped into Coach's State of Decay two game, and as soon as I get in, he's like, "Yeah, um, Kyle and his friend are playing Overwatch," and we got Lobo, so we can have six players in Overwatch. And that, I was like, that's fine with me. I literally got the game today <laughs> on the Xbox. And I just booted it up to make sure I didn't have to do the training again. So we did that. And we played Overwatch for four hours. Something like that. Yeah, three, four hours. And we only lost one match. Yeah, one or two. It was very, it was very maybe few. two. Mm-hmm. Um, I only remember one, and uh, I had a blast. I didn't do super great, but I didn't expect to. Um, for me, I did my personal best. So that's all that you can ask for. <laughs> that's all you can ask for. That was great. Um, but no, it was really cool, and it was like um, at least there was like another kid who hadn't played in a long time, like me. He hadn't played in over like a year, and like. So we have Kyle, who's like our Overwatch pro, and your buddy that you guys basically talk like lead speak to each other, <laughs> and no one else understands it, which is cool. It was cool to be part of that like environment, and like I, I would say, I don't play Rainbow Six Siege because there's no tolerance for new players in that game, mm-hmm. and I really felt like welcomed and like ushered into the game, like and. 
like even you were saying before you recorded, there were things that you would have said, um, but you were like being a good host and even still you'd be like, Josh, get back here. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Like all things I didn't necessarily either intend to do or because a lot of games I'm like, I'm the berserker or I'm the barbarian. Like I just usually go headfirst into things without thinking. Right. Well, you know, gets me <laughs> well, and you know, I'm a person who plays support a lot, so I can, I'm usually behind everyone. So I can yes. kind of see what's going on. So it's like, it's not uncommon, even if people have played for hundreds of hours to be like, yo, back up a little bit. Cause a, I can't heal you where you are. B, you might not realize that, you know, like in the one situation, there's an Arisa shield like three feet behind you. If you just back up a little bit, none of these things things will hit you. It'll be perfect. So that's all, you know, it's just spatial awareness that when you're the person who's behind, you can see that stuff. Yeah, no, and and it'll make me a better player too. Like I'll be more, I'll be more aware of stuff like that. Um, So that was fun. I had a real good time and I would love to do that again uh, with more people. It's not as much fun by myself, um, but you know, um, I played a little bit of State of Decay 2, and I really, I played a good, I don't know, I played a little, I played Detroit. I started Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done maybe like six segments, I'll call them. Okay. Uh, or chapters, I, I guess you can call them that. Um, so my thoughts on Detroit, so so for anyone who, who, I mean, everyone I'm sure knows about Detroit, maybe not everyone knows who it's by, but basically it's by the, the people who made Beyond Two Souls. Is it Quantic Dreams? Yep, Quantic Dreams. So do they make Quantum Break too, or is that just a coincidence? No, I mean, that's Remedy made Quantum Break. Okay, I just put Quantum and Quantum together. Yeah. No, they uh, did um, Heavy Beyond Rain. Beyond Two as well. Souls and Heavy Rain yep. and uh, Until Dawn? No, that's, that's oh. a different kind of studio. Okay. So I didn't love Until, uh, sorry, Beyond Two Souls or Heavy Rain. But not for a lack of narrative. I didn't like the controls. Yeah, uh, I think, they're a little weird. I think they've improved on them, mm-hmm. but not. I still have a lot of issues with the controls, just from a um, looking around standpoint and being aware of my surroundings. And so this game is—it's very important if you want it to be important that you interact with everything you can interact with. Mm-hmm. And I find I found a, a few times just from the short amount of time I played that the camera has limited me to, well, has made me miss things that I wouldn't have chosen to miss or things I had noticed way after that I could have interacted with. And that's fine. I mean, it's, it's a big um, challenge for this game because there's so much going on and it's essentially butterfly effect style game. So I get, I get it. I'm not trying to knock it. It's just my experience with the controls. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're expecting something different from control scheme, you're not going to get it. Uh, I don't think, um, because I, I know Donnie was like weighing on playing it or not. Cause he hated the controls from the first two right. games from them. Um, I would say that the controls are better, but, yeah, if you better. Li- but if you didn't like them, they're not like completely different now. Right. It would be like not liking the Tomb Raider controls and then playing Uncharted. Like, right. Yep. You know, um, I will make a funny observation. Uh, uh, the game looks great. I mm-hmm. think it looks phenomenal. Um, but for a game that looks so good, you would think that they would spend a little bit more time on the open, the first person you see. <laughs> her, her facial animations are bad. I, like, in, I don't like, know if they're bad. They're, well, they're just odd. odd. Like yes. the right side yes. of the cheek doesn't move 
fluidly when she like talks or she's, smiles. She's an android. It's just supposed to be like that, right? Well, right. When I when I first started the game, she's the first thing I'm greeted with, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. Like I thought that that's what the whole game was going to be like, and it's just like that subtle thing. Like you, but you can't not see it. Yep. But then as like you get into the game, you see that that's the exception to the rule. Like no one else is like that, which is good. I think everything else looks great. Um, I had a terrible amount of anxiety with one of the stories at the beginning, mm-hmm. maybe two of the stories. Uh, and I can, I'll tell you, I mean, Kara, you see her in all the tech demos and stuff. Yep. So her story, I immediately was forced into a situation that I didn't like. Yep. Um, and I, and I'm sure that the game is making that decision, uh, to cause emotion in the player, but as an empathetic soul that I am, someone who is so empathetic that he I feel physically bad when someone else is mm-hmm. in a situation that I really played the first, her first chapter and nothing really happens, but I didn't feel, I felt sick the whole first time I played that. And then when the second chapter happened, I was mad at the game because there's a defining choice you can make. And I, I'm sorry, but if you're one of the people who made, in my opinion, the wrong choice, I'm mad at you. <laughs> I'm very mad that that's a choice you can make in the game. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know the outcome, but I know what my tree looked like when I was done. And I saw all the other storyline and how much further it goes. So did I was you, like, I can't imagine. <laughs> did you hit the button to see the percentage of people who had made the other choice? No, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, if you hit, I think it's triangle when you're on that, um, oh. on the flowchart. It shows you both globally the percentage of people that made which decisions. It still won't tell you what the decision is or what it does, right, but it shows right. you all of the uh, percentages. And then you can also break it down by your friends list as well. Oh, I'll have to go back and check that out. I like yeah. that because they did that in the first season of Walking Dead. You could compare your mm-hmm. the Telltale one. You could compare what you did to friends. Yep, it's similar to that, just a little more in depth. Okay, so uh, other than that... Um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to kind of push myself to play the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like it might be how some people compare like Hellblade as like a emotional game. Mm-hmm. So I would say good on them for getting an emotional response out of me, which is probably what they want to hear, which is fine. Uh, it means that the storytelling is strong. Uh, otherwise... I can, I can, I hear some of the people's comparisons to Walking Sim, and that's probably the thing I like the least about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely been a, out of the six things I've done, half of them I probably I felt like I didn't get anything accomplished. But I know it's setting up stuff, so I see that as well. Right. Um, but I have, literally, I have literally been ranting for way too long about games. <laughs> you don't even get to talk about board games, so um, let me stop and let. You go. <laughs> All right. Well, I will start then where you ended, and I will talk briefly about Detroit Become Human. I think it sounds like we're probably roughly in the same place. I have I, I played the previous game. I played um, Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. I really enjoyed Heavy Rain. I think I like Beyond Two Souls more than most other people did, but I, I definitely did not like it as much as Heavy Rain. I think Indigo Prophecy might have been their previous game. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I didn't like about Beyond Two Souls to interject? Go right ahead. They give you a choice like very early in the game to play the game chronologically 
or how, however they, whatever the other option was, that was a decision I wasn't ready to make that early in the game. Like, well, I that like, only came in the remaster when it came out to um, PS4. I don't when you played it on PS3, if I recall correctly, that was not an option. You had to play it with the jumping back and forth timeline. I didn't know that. Okay, that would have made my that would have made a different. Okay, so um, and then you know until dawn, which was made by Supermassive, though I think is still like the best versions of all of these games. Still, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think they, you know, when that game first came out, you know, originally it was supposed to be a move game. Like there's a lot of worry about it and that it got completely rebuilt and redone. And, you know, there was still some motion controls in it. But I think when Until Dawn was done, there was a lot of folks who were fans of what Quantic Dream had done previously who were kind of worried because super massive out Quantic Dream, Quantic Dream. Like they made a yeah. really excellent <laughs> game. Yeah. And Detroit, I am kind of, as I always am on these games, I'm a little torn on it parts of it i love i think that overall the visuals are really good the environments that they create look really nice they're interesting places the houses mm-hmm. feel legitimate and lived in like they do a good job of creating the environments around the characters now there's a whole lot of fake walls that you can't walk through that right. you know like the little things come up to say you can't go that way but overall i think the environments are good the music is excellent the music is so good in this game i stopped and listened to that guy on the guitar play the whole song yep the music in this game every aspect of the music like three is, minutes long. <laughs> is exceptional it's so good the music is wonderful the story and this is the thing that i was hoping i was really hoping that the you know david cage and the folks at quantum dream would get right apparently it's really cool to hate david cage I apparently don't remember that from the previous games, but in the last two years when after Detroit got announced and revealed, apparently it's very cool to hate him. No idea, whatever. Obviously, there's been a lot of things with incidents at the studio and, and whether the, what the work environment there is, is like, which obviously I have no idea. I, I can't speak to those things, right. but I can't speak to my past experiences with the games he's written. And my issues with the way he writes are always that he does these very interesting small character moments really well that he interactions between two characters uh just how one character another character in a small scene that isn't something super important how those things happen i tend to really enjoy but whatever the overarching narrative is i feel like it's very ham-fisted sometimes there's no subtlety in what he tries to do And that's always the thing that's a little frustrating to me. And I feel like Detroit is going down that line that I don't think there's going to be much subtlety in what's going to happen in the future of this game. Um, And that's just a bit disappointing. So, yeah, I really enjoy the small character moments, the the moments between... You know, two people as the an adage that is often used for Game of Thrones that Game of Thrones is best when there's just two people talking in a room. That for me is also the same for this game when it's just two people having a small conversation in a room. That tends to be the best moments. But when that overarching narrative starts to seep in, that's when I feel like things get a little ham fisty and a it's little. It's really funny that you say that because the painting scene. Yeah. When he's having a conversation with him. Uh huh. It was great. Awesome conversation. And then all of a sudden, a tornado comes in. You're like, this is too, like, it's so over the top. Yeah. Unrealistic. Like, it's like a TV show, like a soap opera. Yeah, it really is. And that's, I don't know why that happens. I don't know if, and who who far, and I always struggle with with feedback like this, because obviously I'm not a great writer or anything, but I sometimes wonder if, 
what he wants to tackle exceeds his abilities. Right. And, I, you know, and, and maybe it's because, you know, it's a European studio and they just do things differently there. I don't know. Maybe I just don't get it. And that's fine. <laughs> right. But, and the other thing that I've never really liked about the game, and like you mentioned before, but it is better, is the controls. I've never been a fan of the controls in the games. And uh, for those who don't know, we're recording this on Tuesday, right after the Pokemon event just happened. And they recorded a new episode of the Nintendo Shack. And in it, I was saying I was really, really worried that they were going to. I wasn't on the Nintendo Shack, but I was in the chat. And I was talking about how I was very worried about motion controls. That I was really hoping, because they're doing a lot of stuff from Pokemon Go, where you're throwing, you know, using the one Joy-Con to throw out to catch the Pokemon. And I was really hoping there's a way to not do that. But it sounds like maybe that's not true. I know at least in handheld, they said that you have to use the gyro and push a button. So I, I'm not a fan of motion controls. I never liked them. Donnie gave me a whole bunch of poop because he's like, well, you really like the Vita. Yeah, but I didn't like any of that stuff about the Vita. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. that's not. <laughs> um, so I really, really wish that they would get rid of that. I understand why they do it. I think it does some kind of okay things sometimes. But for the most part, I look at the thing and I'm like, oh, there's dots on that thing. That means I have to use the touchpads and now I'm doing the touchpad. Now, I, I didn't like having to do the dishes. Like, <laughs> I know, right? like it's so yeah i'm just not a fan of the controls of these games i never have been i i don't know what the thought process is i don't know if they've tried to say it's more immersive or it feels like you're doing the actions but just i wish they would change the controls i really would and you know as we've talked about recently with some game like xbox doing excellent work as far as accessibility and games goes this is just something that makes this game unplayable for some people because you can't shut yeah. it off. So there are some people who are just never going to be able to play this game. And you know what? Maybe that's a small group of people. I don't care. Like, they should still have the opportunity to experience this game. And the fact that you can't shut that off or change it or do something different is just really disappointing to me. So I will continue playing it. I will definitely finish the game. So, so far, like I said, I am liking it. I am not loving it. Um, but I am liking it. Another game that I am liking but not loving, State of Decay 2. Played a couple hours of it. I'm not super, super far into it. I was actually going to play more this weekend, but then we got you got you got bought Overwatch, and that was your mistake. <laughs> uh, so I was going to play more this weekend, but I mean, I'm liking it. I haven't run into a ton of issues. It's more State of Decay. I really enjoyed the first one. Jumped into this one. Feels pretty similar. There's a few things that are kind of annoying about it as far as how much stuff you can carry and the fact yeah. that you can only take a rucksack and all that good stuff. Like that, that kind of stuff is a little annoying. But overall, it's fine. I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with it. I've only had one small glitch that's not hasn't been too bad. Is that the gates around my house aren't always there? Yeah, I get the same one too. So sometimes I go there and I'm like, I can't. There's nothing to open, but I also can't go through it. So I gotta like run around and try to find a different one. So that's the only real glitch I've hit. So I haven't really hit a lot of the other things. And so far, that hasn't mattered. I could imagine maybe if you're being chased by a horde of zombies, that might be a big deal. But so far, has not been a big deal for me. So I plan to keep playing it. I would like to play some co-op, so we should get that yeah. set up and do that. But overall, like I said, liking State of Decay 2, pretty much what I expect it to be, just another game I'm enjoying. We did play some Overwatch this weekend. Mm-hmm. You were nice enough to pick it up on Xbox since it was on sale and this is the anniversary. So that was nice to jump back into. One thing I did do is over on PlayStation. So now I am playing Overwatch on PlayStation and Xbox. It's pretty great. <laughs> over on PlayStation... They're currently doing competitive deathmatch is something that you can do. And I'm not high enough level in Xbox yet to play any competitive modes. You have to be level 25. Still working on building my level there. But on PlayStation, I said, okay, 
as people who listen to the podcast may know, I really suck at McCree. Really, really bad at him. So I said, you know what? Competitive deathmatch, this seems like the perfect time to practice my McCree. So I did my 10 placement matches to get your ranking, and I played only McCree. He was the only character I played for all 10 of my placement matches. And I finished six and four. Nice. And my ranking, I'm super high gold. I'm like 2465. And then 2500 is platinum, which is what the gold typically is for me based on I'm old, so I have bad reflexes, especially (laughs) playing DPS characters. But I was really happy with that, with playing a character that I am horrible at. Even my wife still gives me crap about (laughs) how bad I am at McCree. I was really, really happy with that placement. I felt really good about it. So in competitive death matches, free for all, it's eight players. And if you finish top four, it considers it a quote unquote win. So you don't have to be first or second. Uh, So top four is pretty generous, but I'm still happy, which means obviously four times I finished in the bottom four. But that's okay. No big (laughs) deal. Playing a character I'm horrible at, not a big thing. And then the final thing I played is you may have heard that, you know, over on Xbox, they have PUBG. Uh-huh. So recently on PlayStation 4, H1Z1 went That's into right. open beta. So I had downloaded that and I, I jumped in and gave it a whirl. I'm not a huge fan of Battle Royale games. I, I think they're fine. I understand why people like them. But for me, I get the rush out of playing Overwatch that most people seem to get out of playing uh, Battle Royale style games. But I was like, hey, I want to give this H1Z1 a shot. It's actually doing really well. I think it's actually on PS4 already gotten over four and a half million players. Wow. So that's pretty good. Not too bad for being out like a little over a week, I think, at this point. I've only played a couple of matches. First one didn't go very well. I finished 69th, which made me chuckle a little bit. But I was like, okay, this <laughs> didn't go super great. Uh, but then I played again, and in the next match, I got sixth. So... Oh. You know, working my way up pretty quickly there. So like I said, I've only played a couple of them. It's definitely not super polished. There is a little bit of jank. There's still the, it feels a little off while you're playing it. Not in a bad way, just in a, I'm not used to this way. Right. The one thing I don't like about it, and it's kind of the same thing I don't like about PUBG, is at the end of the game, when I got down to this last group, I was the only person who didn't have a vehicle. Oh, yeah. So I was in a really rough shape, and I was almost took somebody out from their car, and I hit a car with a Molotov, and I'm doing some good stuff, but I just didn't have a vehicle because mine had run out of gas. So I didn't have a vehicle, and then I'm running around in this circle with, like, five cars trying to run me over. So needless to say, I did not survive. So (laughs) that is how I finished sixth in it. Um, And that's just one of the things I'm, I'm not a huge fan of in those situations because... If you don't have the car, you get, and literally in this match, the circle was in the basically the middle of a field. Yeah. So there was no like there was no place for me to hide. There was no place for me to like. There was no rocks. There was no bushes. There was like one tree. So I was just in rough shape. So I didn't think I was going <laughs> to win, and I did not. So yeah, that's all the stuff that I've been playing. So I don't know how much more I'll play H1Z1. If other people want to play, I'll probably jump in. But it's yeah, it's more battle royale. I think for those you know who are on PlayStation and looking for that more quote-unquote real feeling one it's a good fit it's definitely not as in-depth as PUBG is like the controls are much simpler picking things up and getting in like I looked at the control setup one time and then everything else is like pretty much every other shooter you've played so it's really simple to pick up and play and get into even the driving controls are really easy but yeah I think it's a good a good option for folks who are on 
PlayStation are looking for more a little more of that authentic shooter feel in their battle royale compared to you know Fortnite, which is just has taken over the world apparently. Right. <laughs> all right. So those are all the things that we have been playing. Time to jump into our topics of the show. As you may know, Battlefield Five had a reveal last week, and it seemed pretty good, right? Trevor Noah did a really nice job as host and talking about the game. He clearly has played some. They're eliminating the premium pass. So future maps and most will be free to all players. So when you buy Battlefield 5, there's no need to buy this premium pass to get the future updates of maps and modes. Like they want to keep all their player base together. That's great. There's not going to be any loot boxes, it doesn't sound like. So, you know, definitely learning. DICE is definitely learning from the things that kind of hit back against Battlefront 2. There will be some purchasable items. So there will still be things you can purchase, but it'll just be cosmetic and it'll just be like, this thing costs this amount of money. If you want it, you can buy it. There's no random um, loot runs or anything like that. And it's going back to World War II, and it's going to have a campaign, right? Everything is sounding great for Battlefield Five. They show a trailer that seems pretty awesome. And I'm like, man, people must be in love with this game. <laughs> people are going to be talking about how great Battlefield Five is. And then they showed the cover of the game. And apparently... One of two covers. One of two covers. And apparently, people no longer want to play this video game. And Josh, why do people no longer want to play this video game? Well, Kyle, that's such a good, such an interesting question. (laughs) I want to say what is written in bold bold lettering here, but I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Uh Gaming is a toxic environment, unfortunately, and a large quantity of gamers are socially awkward or I don't want to say inept because that's pretty, that's not, that's, I don't want to insult anyone necessarily. There's socially awkward beings who don't know how to handle women, uh, which is really where all this stuff stems from. I don't know if you're familiar with incel, but, or yeah, incel. Um, it's it's a group of people. It stands for um, involuntarily celibate, and they're this like they started as a support group and turned into like a hate group. And it's all these guys who are involuntarily celibate because girls don't find them attractive, or girls don't like them, or whatever the case. And instead of personal reflection or whatever, they just blame women for everything. And this is where Gamergate stemmed from. And everyone thinks Gamergate went away. And when I say everyone, I mean guys who weren't affected by Gamergate think it <laughs> went away. Um, because it never went away. And mm-hmm. and this is a, the perfect example of that. And it's so unfortunate that we can't just enjoy something. It isn't even out yet. And right. it is historically accurate Proven. There have been women fighting in wars since World War II, probably in World War One, And there was a dude, one of my favorite things was like, he's like, my grandmother had a prosthetic arm, literally in World War II. <laughs> it has happened. And people are like, no, it hasn't. But, you know, the, the, the quick judgment is like, oh, it's some 12-year-old kid sitting in his bedroom who's, ne- who's never read a book on world war ii saying that but unfortunately it's not the case sometimes it's a 45 year old guy who still plays 
battlefield who feels like he needs to be heard or whoever it is. It, honestly, it could even be female gamers that are so sick of toxic environments that they're creating their own. You can't really tell who's doing what. All that we can say is, for whatever reason, people hate women in gaming. It really seems that way, doesn't it? It I really seems understand. that way. Yeah, so I know we didn't spell it out specifically, but obviously the traditional version of the game has a woman on the cover. If you are very worried about that, you can pay $20 extra and get the special edition that has a dude on the cover. And play it early. And play it early <laughs> if you really want to do that. But I do find it interesting, right? Because here we have a game that during the entire presentation, everything was seeming really good. Everything yeah. was seeing, seeming awesome. They were listening to the really bad feed, to the feedback. I shouldn't say really bad. They were listening to the feedback they got about Battlefront 2 and were basically checking every box about how to fix it. Everything that people wanted to hear, they were saying, yes, we're doing this. Yes, we're doing this. Yes, we're doing yeah. this. We're getting rid of everything you don't like. We're still giving you a campaign, which people were very trepidatious after Call of Duty was like, hey, we're getting rid of ours. Battlefield's like, hey, we still have a campaign. We still have our huge online multiplayer modes. We're doing some new things with them, and I'm not a huge Battlefield person, so I didn't totally understand all of that stuff. But they're doing some really cool and new things with it. They're talking about squads and all these other things that they're doing. They showed a trailer. that During the trailer, you're like, well, this is kind of neat. It's pretty action-packed. It might be a little over the top. Yeah. And then it becomes historically inaccurate when they show having a woman on the cover. Not the fact that like a car fell on a dude... Right. in the thing and somebody was like giving another player like a pinky background while they were shooting people which yeah. i guess could have happened like i guess all that could have happened uh-huh. but I, I find it interesting that suddenly the woman on the cover is what makes the game historically inaccurate and there was another comment about how it was disrespectful to the millions and millions of men who had lost their lives lives in world war ii and I, I part of me didn't want to talk about this tonight, mostly because not that I don't enjoy having these conversations, but the fact that this is even I didn't want to give any oxygen or yeah. even dignify what was going on here with our time or our response to it. But I really just wonder, like we're playing video games. When is this historically inaccurate argument going to go away? Because if we want to be really historically accurate. When you start your game, if you ever die, you should just never get to play it again. Yeah. You're just done. <laughs> <Game over. laughs> you know, go spend another 60 bucks and get another copy. Because yeah. if you want to be historically accurate, that would be far more accurate than what we're doing right now. Yep. You know, and like, I, I, I think that it's just really frustrating when I hear this is the response from people. Like, oh, I'm not, my mind can't even be opened enough to the fact that there's a female on the cover of a game, suddenly that is not just okay. That just can't be okay. And it just, like, I try to think of myself as someone who can really be empathetic and put myself in the shoes of others and try to understand their place and, and what their experiences are. Obviously not fully, but hopefully be able to empathize with those things. And this is one of those things that I, I hear the derision that people have about these things. I just don't get it. I just don't understand. And that's, for me obviously coming from an extreme place of privilege. I recognize that. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't, I can't but you don't fathom think like, these reactions. You don't think like that's problem. That's part of the problem. Like we both come from place of privilege. And I think if you take race out of it, gender men have come, have been privileged for the past hundreds of years. Right. So now all of a sudden you have this big movement, for female empowerment, which I'm a huge fan and supporter of, 
But who do you think feels threatened by this stuff? Well, absolutely, because anytime so, you've been living in a place of privilege, anything resembling yeah. equality feels like you're being suppressed. So like the that's loud, the way that goes. Yeah. So the loud majority of people who feel like something's going to be taken away from them because they're not in the majority anymore, I think are those people who are being threatened by a female on the cover. No one's complaining about Lara Croft as Tomb Raider. Right. Like, why why pick these battles? People aren't complaining about Joanna Dark and being the lead of Perfect Dark. Like, I don't understand where, to use a, like a war term, people pick this hill to die on. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why why this game? Why, why, why didn't you care when they added female characters to Black Ops in Black Ops 3? There was no internet outrage. It's because... And arguably, the this cover with her is arguably better than the guy cover. Like, oh no, I, I don't think it's <laughs> arguably. It, it clearly is. It it's is better. a better cover. So I just, yeah, I'm with you. I I think like when stuff like this happens, with so much negativity already going on in the real world and in social media, it's just like another crushing blow after another. Because I can't. I can't um, understand where these people are coming from. Right. And for better or for worse, you know, these are the things of why I shouldn't say for better or for worse. For worse, these are the reasons why I don't always tell people that I play video games. Right. Because when I'm at work in my professional setting, I don't want to have this stuff. And again, though, a privileged position of myself saying I can just not talk about it. Like I can just be like, yeah, this stuff doesn't, it's not there. Like, but this is the kind of stuff that I, why I sometimes don't want to admit that I play video games and why sometimes I talk a lot more about board games, even though obviously problems there too, but it gets very frustrating to me. And then, you know, you're going to have people who are like, Oh, we're making a big deal out of nothing, but I don't necessarily think that we are. I think that, you know, there, the fact, the very fact that if you go to YouTube right now and look at the reveal trailer it has more downvotes than upvotes that almost never happens on YouTube. Almost never. So the fact that that exists and people will argue, oh, it's because of the historical inaccuracy of the trailer. Really? Like, that's really what we're right. down about. Isn't the History Channel's <laughs> battle of whatever. Uh, what do you think EA does? Do you think they do anything? Do you I don't think. think I, and they have come out very strong in saying, like, look, this is what it's going to be moving forward. Get on the boat or tough. Well, the dice like, people have. Yeah, the dice people have, I guess I should say. So I think this is what's going to be moving forward. I don't anticipate this changing. I think we're probably going to see more and more of this as we go. Because let's be real, like, obviously, it hasn't been hurting folks and what they're doing. Like, look at how well Horizon did. Like, yeah. games with that are featuring females. It's, I mean, it's just a female. It's a female on the cover. We have no idea what her role is yet. I hope Call you of know. Duty steps it up and their next trailer is all female focused. Yeah. So I think this is going to continue. I'm all for it continuing. I'm one of those people who also like, I play video games more of as an escape than anything. So when I create characters, I'm almost always playing as a female character. Like I'm, I'm like, it's not me. Like I'm not trying to project me into the game. I'm trying to create this character or have an experience with this character. So for me, the more escapism it is, the better, the happier I am about it, at least. So any other yes. thoughts on this, sir? Yeah, I have one thought, but it yeah. may not, you may not like it. Uh, I don't speak for Border Video Games or Kyle, but if you are listening and you have a problem with a female on the cover of Battlefield, you are wrong and you are a bad person. <laughs> I don't. Okay, That's so here, <laughs> here, this is going to be a very small divergence, and then we'll get back to games, I promise. 
I agree with most of what you said. <laughs> However, the thing that I struggle with is I feel like we've really lost the ability to have, and I think we did it a little bit when we talked about violence in games. I think we've really lost the ability to, to have a a good discussion with someone without who might not who might have values different than ours are without labeling them necessarily right away as as bad as, as less than me in the situation, sure, right? Sure. And and that's the thing that I always I always get bummed about because that right that right there is going to shut that person down, and I we're never going to be able to have that conversation to hopefully educate that person or get them to potentially consider a different opinion than their own. And I'm the same way. Like if somebody came to me and said, like, no, the reason that this person should shouldn't have a female on the cover, if you think that it's okay, then you're dumb and you're wrong and blah blah blah. I'm probably not going to listen to a word that person has to say. That's a good so, point. I would be so, open to a conversation about it. Right. I firmly believe that this is a good thing. And I firmly believe that this is the right move and it should continue this direction. If you disagree with me, I would love to hear what your thoughts are. I think it's going to be very challenging for you to change my mind, but I would love to have a conversation about it. And I think that's one of the things that we've really struggled with is that we don't have conversations anymore, even with people we disagree about, about things. And I think that, having those conversations is how we learn and grow and connect with each other. So that's what I say to what you said, sir. Yeah, that's a good counterpoint. We have two different, different minds. That's right. <laughs> no, so, I mean, I would have a conversation about it, but I just don't see any way around picking a video games as a platform for you to argue morals and gender equality and all this crap. Like, Oh yeah, no, I, <laughs> pick pick some go pick out a real world example if you want to have an issue with it like the game isn't even out yet yeah and you like you said you don't even know what her role is going to be in the game uh people just need people have this intense need to be paid attention to and to be contrary for contrary sake mm -hmm. but the problem is the mob mentality now because Absolutely. 15 people wanted to be contrary and then everyone's like yeah Women didn't fight in World War II. They didn't mention that in my history books in school. <laughs> it so must be true. Rewrite the history books. <laughs> it must be true. Well, yes, because a whole bunch of dudes wrote them. So, <laughs> yep. So way that goes. Uh, so hey, on a, I was gonna say a happier note, but I guess maybe <laughs> it's not a happier note. What a bummer of an episode. Okay. <laughs> so one of the most popular board games of 2017 finally gets its long-awaited Giant Edition. That is right, everyone. Azul Giant Edition is now available to pre-order for the low, low price of $300. Yes, $300. Now, we've talked about this before, but Josh, games are just getting too expensive, right? Yeah. I didn't even think this was going to be $100. I thought it was going to be like 70 bucks. $300 is insane. I mean, it's a beautiful game. I get it. It is a very beautiful game. And I'm sure the components equal the cost quality-wise. And it's like in a suitcase. like a, it, Yeah. Like a, like a metal briefcase suitcase thing. Well, it's uh, like the thing that you see people carrying their poker chips around in when poker yes, was super yeah, popular. Yeah. Yeah, I have one of those. I yep. kept wanting to say gun case, but I figured that would be <laughs> bad taste. <laughs> so I said it anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't, like, uh, <clears throat> we've been talking for about it for a little bit, and, and Schplegg was like, oh, when's that coming out? I think I want it. And my wife's like, oh, we got to get a giant Azul. It's coming out. And then I told her how much it was. 
And then I was like, that's only if they get 500 pre-orders. Right. They have to hit 500 pre-orders in order to make it happen. And they've enlarged the components by 200%. Yeah. So it's big. It's definitely big. But man, 300. And granted, people can spend their money however they want to. Uh-huh. But wow, I was because I don't own Azul yet. And I was really looking at getting it. And I thought maybe this would be the route I'm going to go. This is not the route I'm going to go. This is the price of a console. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> you can get a 4K TV. Yeah, uh, yeah, darn close. And hey, if you love Azul and this is something you want to order, more power to you. If you have the cash or the capital that this makes you happy and you want to do it, go for it. You're you're more than welcome to. We've just seen so many games on Kickstarter. And, gra- and granted, there's a much more affordable entry in the way to play this game this is yeah. not the only way you can play this game so i give it a little more slack because of that but you know these games that are regularly pushing 100 150 200 it's becoming kind of backbreaking when it comes to try to keep up with and, and stay in the the cult of the new of like what the hotness is this is becoming i think we're starting to get to the point where maybe we're asking too much of board game players I think if you want to stay current, like we're so used to being current with game, like video games, mm-hmm. um, and the, and for the most part, prices the prices of video games haven't changed. You know, right. you, you pay sixty bucks typically without DLC for almost every game. Um, <clears throat> that it's not so challenging to keep up. It's still challenging, but yeah, when you have board games coming out that you want to be able to talk about and be part of the conversation about. It's, it's incredibly hard to stay on top of that, especially right. with the addition of Kickstarter, um, because with Kickstarter really enables people to do whatever they want, but not for free. So you're really paying premium prices for stuff like that. I think the problem will be when you can't walk into a game store and get a game for 20 bucks. I think right. that's when we really have the problem. Right. And there are still a lot of more affordable games that exist out there for sure. It seems like a lot of the high profile things that we're seeing those are starting to really push miniatures and push pieces and and all of this stuff. So yeah, man, it doesn't even cover shipping. (laughs) It doesn't even cover shipping. Oh, so it's going to be $360. (laughs) So what you get in it, just here, you get a hundred resin tiles, four player boards in neoprene, nine factory displays in neoprene, four resin scoring markers, one resin starting player marker, one linen bag, the rule book, and one transport suitcase. So they're neoprene boards and not even boards? Yeah, it looks like the... Which, actually, I'm a big fan of neoprene boards, so I'm down with that. I love neoprene boards. I think they're great. So, Because I'm sure they want them to roll to put Right, into you have to roll them into it, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so it looks cool. I mean, it looks really awesome, but, man, that is a lot of... It's a lot of money for a big game. Yeah. What... What would be the most you'd be willing to pay for Giants Azul? I thought I thought we would be getting it at a hundred bucks. So I paid twenty seven dollars for the base game. This is twenty. This is ten times more the cost. Yeah, it is. So you know, I thought a hundred bucks would have been the limit. I think I have a I have tickets to ride the fancy um, one, tenth anniversary edition, yep. and that was a hundred bucks. And right, you. Get your money's worth out of that. Yeah, that's a pre- that's a really beautiful game, the 10th anniversary edition. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I don't think that they're doing it with a huge markup. Right. I, obviously, they have to make a profit, but mm-hmm. 
you know, if it's costing them two, 250 bucks to make the game, like then, I mean, they got to sell it. For, right. They got to try to sell it for what they have to get the price for. But I mean, I was really looking at a hundred bucks. Right. So I know you had, you had mentioned it already, but they need 500 pre-orders for this to run by June 22nd. Yeah. What do you think the chances are that this hits the 500 pre-orders? I think with the way gaming's kind of taken off in the past couple of years, board gaming, I mean, I think they'll be fine. They probably already hit it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think they'll get it too. They probably hit it on day one. So, so, so Azul is, it, it helps that they waited until the Spiel nominations yeah. came out to, to then announce this. So they're going to have that boost from pretty much every award group nominating it for something. So, I mean, good for them, but I'm just bummed. I'll just have to play it at a convention instead of uh, buying it. Yeah, I think that you're definitely going to see it as a convention. People make you wear gloves, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can pay three dollars. <laughs> yeah, but but that you know is a really good way to look at it too. Is that maybe this isn't as geared towards you and I having it for our home, but people who are running like game groups who all pitch in and get it together, yeah, or conventions who are going to buy it and have it available there as a, a special thing. You know, from that perspective that doesn't seem as bad then. Yeah. So I really do wonder what percentage of purchases are going to be more geared towards that as compared to, you know, you or I getting it to play with our significant others. So. Right. It's a little unrealistic. Yeah. If I was rich and I had like a, ta- a gaming room, mm-hmm. I would just have it set up on a table already laid out for four players, like kind of like a pool table. You could walk in and play it if you wanted. Right. You know? But like, that's, you know, that's, Pie in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, it's been a it's been a solid hour plus. Yeah. What do you say we uh, bring this guy home? Let's do it, please. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted <laughs> at the end of a podcast instead of the beginning, though. So that's good. Um, you guys know the drill, of course. Um, we're so thankful that you guys join us every week um, on our little adventure we do and. Um, we love talking to you guys and we love talking about the new stuff um, and the old stuff. Old game is old always. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, I'll wait till next week. I was going to say something. I'll wait till next week. Uh, we still have a contest going for our Dice Tower nomination predictions. So uh, if you want to go back and listen to the episode where we did our Dice Tower nominations, uh, please do. You can hear more specifics. But what we're looking for is you to email us. That's boardwithvg at gmail.com. Or shoot us a DM on Instagram or Twitter, which is also boardwithvg uh, on there. And what you can do is just write down the category and the game you think is going to win. We're going to collect everyone's um, guesses. And then we'll take ours separate from that and we'll do when we do the episode that has the winners we'll go over and then we'll announce uh the winner from the guesses obviously not including kyle and mine and i will pick a game from the winners list and ship it to your home address if that's what you prefer and you'll have a free board game i mean it gets it's pretty easy just invest a couple minutes of time that's a pretty good deal. And based on the number of entries we've had thus far, you have a solid chance of winning if you just submit. Yes. I mean, you got nothing to lose. Just submit it. Uh, I know there's some PSVGers who didn't think that they could enter. They can enter. You can enter. You're still a listener. If you're listening to this, you can enter. 
Um, that being said, I'm pretty much plugged all of our stuff doing that. So that's where you know where to find us. Um, you can find me. It's why so serious. S I R R I U S on Xbox, PlayStation. I occasionally pick up my Switch. I might try that Pokemon demo that dropped today. Pokemon Quest. Who knows? Um, yeah, let's play some Overwatch together. Let's play some State of Decay together. Uh, let's play some Divinity together, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, we should probably get back to that. I also have to uh, get going on the Division. Oh, let's so, play some Division together. Yeah, I got to get working on that. I started it on PS4, but now that we have it on Xbox One, I got to get rolling on it over there in its glorious 4 k yeah, it looks great. Um, yeah, so that being said, uh, I said um a lot, so let's um it over to you, Kyle. Awesome. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. I would love to play Overwatch with you on PlayStation Network or Xbox Live. Just hit me up. It'll be grand. It'll be a wonderful time. If you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on social media. As always, we really appreciate you all listening. We appreciate the feedback you give us. And as always, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com.